Welcome to Off Screen Let's Get Cinematic. I'm Bex Perfect. I'm Van Connor, and this is your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. Hi, Ooh. Bex. How you been? I'm all right. That felt a bit different. Look at us swapping roles just then. <laughs> well, I'm, do you know what? I'm a total switch. I'm all about role reversal. But, uh, you know. <laughs> I'm glad you're a switch, not a snitch. That's good. <laughs> Exactly. Well, that, that's that's the snitch is the, the the word the pop the most popular word this week, thanks to certain government announcements, of course, isn't it? So uh, we should, in fact, let's let's take those first and foremost because obviously, you know, the coronavirus continues to damage the you know the earth and determine the fates of the human race. Determine that we're in for a pretty lousy Christmas this year. Although it seems like we're in for a very busy Christmas because I don't know if you've noticed this, but you know when they keep delaying films, they keep shoving them into Christmas week. I don't think there are enough multiplex screens for everything that's coming out the week before Christmas. I just imagine there'll be a shuffle again. Like, let's just... You just can't hold them to anything right now. You just have to wait and see. Like, we were expecting Wonder Woman. We were expecting Black Widow. That's all been moved along. We don't know till when. You know, it, it, it's a crazy time. Well, that's it, isn't it? So, of course, the big news is that uh, Black Widow this week, that's gone to May next year. That will be a full one-year delay. Wow. Uh, that joins uh, that joins fa- uh, F9, the Fast and Furious saga, the Fast Saga, whatever it is. That got delayed a year as well. Mem- remember that? Do you remember when we were getting a ninth Fast and Furious with yeah. John Cena? I know, but I also love the fact that you always called it Fat Nine. <laughs> that just really- <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's the only permutation of F they haven't used yet, I think. F9. It'd be Fat 10, that'll be what it is. Anyway, um, Death from, on the Nile. It's when everyone from the uh, Fast and Furious franchise goes to middle age and beyond and they become the fine. <laughs> no more Fast What do you mean, gets middle age? Vin Diesel's like 53 or something at this age, surely. Shut up! Don't say that! That's crazy! He can still kick some butt. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably about 47 he's probably about 47 if you actually look at I know the rock's like 47 isn't he? <laughs> yeah but uh, so of course big release date news after Black Widow is Death on the Nile which was due to come out in about three weeks time and I was looking about on the release time the other day thinking wow I've heard nothing about this beyond like the trailer um, it has been now been shunted back to Christmas week that popular week so far Top Gun and Wonder Woman and- yeah can I just say something about Death on the Nile? Because a friend of mine chuckled down the phone at me about this um, when they said, given everything that's going coronavirus and given the fact that we need to look after our elderly, don't you think it's crazy that something like Death on the Nile, whose target demographic is people burning on death, are going to want to go and watch that? They have legitimately said that as well because the marketing uh, intent for Death on the Nile, like Murder on the Orient Express, is a audience than tr- a traditional tentpole film. The, yeah. They have to take that one particularly seriously because, you know, that's an audience made up largely of vulnerable people. These are not necessarily the same people flocking to see Pop Gun, Maverick, and, you know, Wonder Woman and Black Widow and things like that. You know, these are not the kind of people that are necessarily going to r- race out to see the new Pixar movie. But, yeah. uh, yes, we've got those. And of course, we don't know the fate of cinemas at the moment, because as you just asked, uh, before we start recording, you asked, um, do we know anything about what's going on with cinemas, with the rule of six, with the closing at 10pm and all this? We don't at present. I don't think there's any guidance issued. No, and it, I mean, it's crazy. Like, if you can't do synchronized swimming in less than in more than six people, how can you sit in the cinema with 325? I get it. So, you know, we'll have to wait. Well... Why, why can't why can't you have thirty people at a wedding, but you can have a hundred people at in a pub? You know, it's one of those things, isn't it? So either way, neither here nor there. It's, if we start questioning the government, we'll be here all week and we'll get anything else done. Um, although I will say 
and talking about the release date of Soul, I was very, very elated to learn just now, whilst I was doing my LFF uh, must-see list for this year, because uh, it's going to be at home, you know, when it gets in my yep. living room, watch all my LFF screens, looking forward to Ammonite and, and uh, Another Round slash Druk, another Thomas Winterberg uh, comedy about alcoholism, what could go wrong? Um, Pixar's Soul is on that list. I'm going to get to watch Soul in my living room for yeah. the first time. I, I can't wait for this. The, the first <laughs> African-American lead in a Pixar movie. Amazing. You better purchase the biggest TV that you can possibly buy so you can enjoy it in full somatic glory at home. <laughs> I need my monolith back from storage in Sheffield. That's what it is. Right, so let's talk about our first review of the week then. Uh, let's talk about Enola, because I know you've seen yeah. this as well. Uh, new movie based on the series of, of apparently quite popular novels that basically follows an imagined younger sister to Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes named Enola, We'll explain why she's named that in the clip. And uh, basically, her mum, raised or in isolation at the Holmes family home, which is you know, just the two of uh, by her mother, Helena Bonham Carter, who raises her to be, you know, an ass-kicking, race-cracking, hyper-intellectual, you know, kind of in keeping with the family tradition, as it were, uh, only for her mum to then go missing... And Enola, much to the chagrin of her older brothers, one of whom would much like, much prefer if she was sent to a finishing school, run by Fiona Shaw, who seems to be reprising her role from Three Men and a Little Lady back in 1990. If you remember that, it's exactly that role, but without the libido. Uh, she decides, I'm going to go off on my own, I'm going to find my mum. The first thing you need to know is that my mother named me Enola. She insisted on it, in fact. Enola. Enola. I know it's an unusual name. But my mother is rather a fan of word games. On your marks. Get set. Go. And Anola spelt backwards. Reads well alone. Yeah. She would continually tell me. You'll do very well on your own, Anola. Mm-hmm. And yet, we were always together. Yes. <laughs> So this is a film that has lots of stuff going for it, but with lots of what I like to call withouts. So it's like a superhero mm. without the superhero powers. It's like a, like a Guy Ritchie movie without Guy Ritchie. And it's like um, it's like Cluedo, but without the board game. Um, it's all that kind of I mean, stuff. Clu- Cluedo without a clue. Ah. Yeah, there we go. Um, nice. I like to see what you did there. Um, apparently... Initially, when it, since it's been released uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday, audiences really enjoyed this, which is great. The main thing is, is that you guys at home enjoy this. From a more critical course, perspective, yeah. I do think it lacks quite. A, it's enjoyable to a point. I think it's forced to a point at the same time. Um, yes, yeah, so I think Van and I were just having a little bit of a chat offline before I said, "Stop! We should save this for the review." Um, where um, <laughs> basically uh, Millie Bobby Brown, who plays Anna, she is talking to you through the fourth wall but probably i like it in films when that occasionally this happens a hell of a lot and you're a bit like oh we've seen this mechanism so many times and it's getting a bit tiresome um the characters in themselves the most likable character weirdly i or for me is sherlock because he's calm yes (laughs) yeah and also how how kind of fun and charming is henry cavill in this i didn't recognize it was like oh you you actually can have charisma yeah Ah, okay. Why not have tried that with Sam? But okay. I think Sam Claflin does a good job as Mycroft. Mycroft or Mycloft? I can't remember. <laughs> Mycroft. Mycroft Holmes. Yeah. yeah. And um, but it's it's almost overly 
characterized in a way. It's just, it's too much going on at any one time. And Minnie Bobby Brown strains it. And I think this, she is very accomplished at what she does, but it's almost, there is still that chart. She's not got that maturity just yet to hold the film as she possibly needs to. So there's a lot of things going for it. A lot of things that I sort of niggle at as well. Mm. Uh, for me, I mean, I had I had issues. I'll be very quick because we've got to get to one more. But um, first of all, we just had was from the opening of the film in which she's talking straight to camera. That goes on for five and a half minutes and includes the inciting incident of the film, which is essentially the mum going missing. It's literally, hi, I'm Enola Holmes. I've got this brother. I live here. I can do this. I can do that. My mum's gone missing. And you're like, why are you opening this? Like, it's the sequel and we already had a movie before it. Yeah, agreed. That, that's what it opens like. Uh, I thought Cavill was really fun. Um, Clayton's, you know, intentionally kind of the stiff one. And Mycroft Holmes is probably the easiest one to get. Mark Gattis has had a go in recent years. Uh, Stephen Fry had a really good go in the Guy Ritchie sequel. Uh, the fourth wall breaking for me gets a little old, a little fast. Millie Bobby Brown is carrying the entire thing. But she carries it pretty well, you know. Um, it brags a bit. It's two hours and three minutes long. Yeah. This needed yeah. to be... Yeah, this needed to be a hundred minutes, and the fact that that opening exposition is five and a half minutes and includes the inciting incident kind of tells you there is something structurally wrong with how the film built. Now, it's been directed uh, by Harry Bradbeer, who's a TV director, British TV director, done some Doctor Who, things like that. Um, not, uh, not a great effort, I would say. There's nothing here. There's none of that pizzazz that you come to expect from this. The whole thing plays like a Netflix pilot. A really long Netflix pilot. And to be frank, I would have preferred it were this a series because I could have kind of justified why it drags so much if it were more of a TV procedural. I don't think, because this was intended as a theatrical, I don't think this would have at all theatrically. I think it would have bombed. I think it would have confirmed. Um, having said that, what, what does work works. Six out of ten, three stars. Yeah, one film, that's about it. Yeah, now into the world of horror because... Uh... I love, okay, we're going to do really quick and really, really chirpily. I'll be really fun about this. Uh, Becky, new movie from uh, Jonathan Mallard and Carrie who directed Cooties back in 2014, which I adored. Yeah. It was the child movie with Elijah Wood. Okay, so, 13-year-old um, girl of the title, played by uh, Lulu Wilson, who you might recognize from Star Trek Picard. She's Riker's kid. Uh, she's going away for a weekend to the lake house with dad. She doesn't want to go. She's going to meet dad's new girl. Yeah, not his new girlfriend, but he's sort of, he's the girlfriend he's getting more serious with and her son. You know, she's not looking forward to it. And then four convicts show up and hold them hostage, looking for some mysterious MacGuffin. The gimmick here being that one of those, the convicts are led by none other than Kevin James, Again, this is a comedy, I should point out. Um, and it's left to Becky to to basically take out these convicts, utilising every tool a 13-year-old girl could possibly find. Call the cops. They're on their way. Hello, Becky. Better start running. That fat one is going to like me to... Need a head start or something. You didn't call anyone, sweetheart. I have your cell phone. So? So I walk to our neighbors, the Griffins. I use their phone. They have a gun, too. So you better leave. So well, I, I'm quite intrigued by this. And I know when we were looking at what films to um, to cover this week, I sort of said, go with a horror. We haven't really, you know, we haven't really had a, a solid one for a few for a few weeks. So... We yeah, not a short, a drought. Yeah, yeah. A drought. Yeah. So, so how do you how do you rate this one? 
I thought this was gory, brutal, bloody good fun. And I mean bloody good in both possible ways. Um, I, I think Kevin James makes for a surprisingly awesome villain. Shaven head, big swastika tattooed on the back of it, massive I've-been-in-combat beard. He's literally wearing the outfit I'm wearing at this moment in time in this movie, completely by coincidence, the red hoodie and the, the black T-shirt. Um, lots of fun, yeah. lots of intuitive goriness. How are you guys? It's without the swastika, just so I can just... Uh, <laughs> yeah, and also, I have, I've actually trimmed as well, so no beard here. Um, this is Funny Games meets the aggression scale. It is really nasty. For me to call a film nasty, you can imagine what that takes. Ooh. There's a... One of the posters for this is a group, is a, a collection of castles banded together and soaked in blood. And there is a very, very specific reason that that is one of the posters for this movie. I'll let that tell you all you need to know. If you've got a weak disposition for movies, do not see this. You will not make it through. Um, if you like a good, nasty, violent, visceral, you know, cheeky horror flick, Watch it. It's about 90 minutes long. You'll have a great time. Two rousing thumbs me. Um, and I never thought I'd see the day when I said these following words. But you know what? Kevin James is great in this. <laughs> Welcome back to Off Screen. You know what? It's it's time for one of my personal, personally my favourite section of the show, which is this used to be just one block and now it's two because thank you coronavirus. It's the movies on freeview segment, uh, which we now pad out to, to you know two entire segments of the show. Uh, unfortunately, this week uh, we've got something of a slim pickings uh, going on, so we are going to revisit some that we have discussed previously starting with Saturday night on the Horror Channel at 9pm we have talked about this Bex but as you said you've never not seen it or or really remember it it is of course Legion from uh, 2009 I believe and starring Paul Bettany as the angel Michael who comes to Earth to protect a waitress who is soon to be a single mum during what seems to be the early onset of the apocalypse she joins a group of survivors, including Dennis Quaid, Charles S. Dutton, Thea from Arrow, um, Lucas Black from Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift, and of course, and most importantly, Tyrese Gibson. As they band together in this paradise diner in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of like the desert, and the apocalypse basically encroaches upon them. And basically, it's, it's Terminator with angels. The last time God lost faith in man. He sent a flood. This time he sent what you see outside. Are you saying this is the apocalypse? I'm saying this is an extermination. Those things outside are just vessels. They're possessed. The weakest willed are the easiest to turn. Possessed by what? Demons? No. No. By angels. Now, this is an interesting one, because I think Paul Bettany, serious actor, choose a good role. The idea of him, I don't, it's not something that I would choose. The really strange thing, right, first of all, that year he did action movies that were very similar back-to-back. So he did this, and he did Priest, which was the sort of sci-fi one where he's a sort of ultraviolet type thing, where he was a sci-fi priest, Carl Urban was in it, and that one I've not seen anywhere near as much. That was a lot worse than this. This is is a very very loud and proud B-movie type thing. This is is the kind of thing that, you know, you you would have made this in 1903. 
and you wouldn't yeah. have changed a thing. But Paul Bettany doing it, he plays it, and it was weird. Now we're used to it because this is what he did in Marvel. This is Vision. This is like a prototype for his performance as the Vision character in the Avengers because it's very, very sectored in the same sort of, I'm not quite human, but I am softly spoken and very smart, and I will kick your ass kind of a way. Yeah, 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 gotcha. And I just have to say, I'm very excited about seeing WandaVision um, on yes. the <laughs> It looks brilliant. Um, I saw the trailer for that. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, Paul Bettany is very much, it's, um, you know, a beautiful mind. That's the kind of stuff that he's in, you know. So it's, it's nice to see this. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing this because of the shift of seeing him as an actor mm something completely different i was wondering if he's trying to be you know he thought this was his opportunity to be like gabriel burns as the devil you know he tried to follow in that kind of work but no arnie was in this movie um cool okay so legion movie that is um you know that's a good one horror channel uh 9 p.m saturday night i suppose a good way to scare in your weekend isn't it is it is it a horror Classic. Well, it is primarily an action movie, but it does have a lot of horror elements in there. There's a lot of visceral creature effects and a lot of horrible deaths and things like that. Uh, the team it has a sequence involving a, uh, it was a sequence involving a granny spider walking across the ceiling that was absolutely terrific. Um, I can't, I, I, I recommend it. I, it's on the perfect time, 9 p.m. on a Saturday night, because you sit and think, this was custom made to be a beer and pizza movie. And, it's a da- it's a damn fun one. It's not academically a great film, like I say. It's a lot proud B picture, but you know it has that look. We all we all love Roger Corman here, so let's just get to it. That kind of visibility. Yeah, I, I recommend it. There's a sequel series that takes place, I think, about 10, 10 or twenty years later, uh, called uh, Dominion, I believe, that was made by the Sci Fi Channel. Not quite as gripping. I like Legion a lot, though. It is ropey, but it's fun ropey. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I know you like them. And I'm going to lead us into the next one because I don't like this next movie and I don't know why you put it in this list. I mean, it's definitely not something you mention almost cast that we do. The little film by a little, so he might have picked up a little award. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's on film four. It's on Sunday, nine o'clock. It's only called Snowpiercer, isn't it? Never heard of it. Never, Never heard of it. Don't have a clue. <laughs> Snowpiercer, what, the, the film I named the best film of the last decade for the BBC. True story. Genuinely did that. Wow. And I have no shame. And I did that just before Parra getting all the awards buzz. So yay me. Anyway, Snowpiercer, which is basically George Orwell on a train, starring Tilda Swinton, Chris Evans, Ed Harris, John Hurt, Jamie Bell, uh, Alison Hill. There's a hell of a roster. Octavius Spencer's in the... It's one of those films that you just go through the cast list and you're like, how, how have you gotten this many people to do a, a South Korean sci-fi movie? It's insane. And then you look at the film and you go, oh, that's how. Okay. Brilliant movie about class, a class struggle on a train running on a perpetual motion engine that's the earth after the climate apocalypse. And of course, rich people, poor people don't like living in the back. They want to live in the front. You're going to get there by any violent means necessary, which will occasionally involve Tilda Swinton and the very Maggie Thatcher-like adjudicator dishing out punishment upon them. As in the beginning, I belong to the front. You belong to the tail. When the foot seeks the place of the head, a sacred line is crossed. Know your place. Keep your place. Be a shoe. Now, there is a, there's a number of casualties in this movie. Nate, the a one number I, of. <laughs> yeah. 
one that I got most affected by were the cows that got <laughs> part way. Um, and you just realise just how cold it is outside. Um, mm. the, sorry, there's like moments where if you, if you are punished by people like Tilda Swinton, you have to stick your arm through a, a hole in the wall. What? what? I've just realised something. What you just said about was that's the TV show. Oh! Because this is the thing we've discussed, Snowpiercer, season ended. The first season of Snowpiercer, the TV series, just ended, what, about a month ago? A month, six weeks yeah, ago? The cows, the cows are in the show. Because I, I went along with it. I was like, oh, yeah, the cows. I'm like, wait, hang on a minute. Your face is dropping. Are you okay? <laughs> Am I right? Okay, so I'm going to struggle to get to get the um, the different, because I saw them. I hadn't seen Snowpiercer before, so I saw it. I saw the TV series first, fine enough, and then mm. I watched the movie. Now, when they stick their arm through the wall and have it thrown off as part of a punishment, is that TV show? Is that is that film? That does happen in both, but obviously okay. it started uh, started with the, well, started with the comic. Also, with the comic, the the comic is more like the t- the TV show is more like the comic. Incidentally, yeah. the film is very much Bong Joon Ho's one, um, yeah. and the the very big telltale sign is the fact that in the film it is basically a realistic train, whereas in the TV show it is like a three story high, half what? a mile wide train. Oh, I was like, get me on that train. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a trip to Edinburgh on that one, yeah. Exactly. That's much better than the grubby trains I've been getting on into London. Um, so, uh, Snowpiercer the film, amazing. Brilliant. You should mm. watch that first. But actually, if you enjoy it as much as we do, so on um, Sunday night, Film 4, 9, then go and watch it on the Netflix series as well. Um, it's a yeah. really it's a really good adaptation of it as well. So look, you've got two options there. So you enjoy and see how it evolves in, on both the big and the small, although you'll be watching it both on the small screen. But. It reminded me a lot of uh, when they made the TV adaptation of the first season of the TV adaptation of From Dusk Till Dawn, which was to take a relatively lean, muscular film yeah. and, and extend and pad that out to the full of the series and flesh out the mythology a bit. I never really saw much of the second and I think third series oh, of so no interest in it but uh, same kind of thing I think the film though I think it's hard to top the performances in there I think it's very very hard to top that cinematography and to yeah. top that writing and just yeah. to top the build quality of it. it's a hell of a film yeah now speaking of hell of a film I'm not sure we can apply that to this next film but it is a, it does take a good run of it The Mountain Between Us on Monday night film 9pm Kate Wynn Idris Elba am I right in saying yeah now they play uh, two people who are um, essentially shipwrecked after their plane uh, essentially yeah. crashes and uh, they're out in the in the mountains and they got to survive they're stranded um, and it, it's a two-hander it's a two-hander movie which I think is quite interesting Do you, what you're I'm looking just gonna- what? I'm, I'm, I'm mortified that you, the queen of segways, did not go with something to the effect of a train in the snow to a plane in the snow. You know, I, I honestly thought that's where you were going with that. It's been a long week, I'm not going to lie. I mean, <laughs> we finished recording this, so... <laughs> uh, you're, going straight, you're going straight that afternoon now. <laughs> but look, they play a character called Ben and Alex. You know, they, they actually, hmm. the place that they're stranded in is somewhere in Utah. And it is their journey home. It's a bit like... Well, it's not quite like it, but there's elements of alive in this, which I very much enjoyed in the early 90s. Uh, But it's bringing the essence of that up to a more modern time. Now, this came out in 2016, 2017. So it's relatively new. Again, performance driven, people trying to get home. What else can you say? There was this one girl. she, She told me all about this boy. She liked him. You know, 
I gave her my lipstick. Then there was an explosion and she was badly injured. I can't take your picture. I'm sorry. And I'm gonna die. Not today. So the best description I've ever heard of this movie, and it's it's stuck with me for the three yeah. years since this came out, was this is what you'd get if you tried to turn the revenant into a date movie. <laughs> that is a great description of it. <laughs> it's hard to unsee that when you had it, isn't it? Oh, you just ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think they've got they've got decent chemistry. The thing about the film that doesn't work is there is um, a subplot, uh, there is a romance subplot in it yeah. that doesn't quite work, and I think it undermines what otherwise is a very good movie. There's a very good movie that, you know, you get a lot of those movies, you're like, okay, I just don't want them to get together. And this isn't really that kind of, as, as the point, but they're not going on and it's a bit much. Yeah, it didn't need it. It's kind of like, think mm. about driving, stop thinking about your libido. It's kind of, it's kind of one of those ones. Um, and actually, for me, I, I continually watch movies like this. I watched I mean, the Everest as well with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. And just mm. kind of big mountain, big skate, like big danger. And I just, it always falls flat a little bit for me and I, I was trying to think well, I have a pun in there somewhere probably um but um there's just something that never it always, av- it always avalanches for you that's what it is I knew oh god why do I even need to bother you've always got my back with these um, and the performances are fine that do you know what in that and uh, don't get me wrong I love Kate Winslet she's an amazing did something that was just in that clip in that line wholly expected and just nothing new which was just like and then <laughs> And you just kind of go. That's acting one hundred and one. Take the breath before you deliver. <laughs> I'll give you. I'll give you the van term for that. Okay, the van okay. term for that is she killed young legs, and all it that is because that's how Ewan McGregor famously delivers the line. I have seen a security hologram of him killing younglings. Yeah, and you have to do the clench just before killing younglings. You have to do the breath and the clench, yeah. and that thing. That's the moment. That's when you kill younglings. Yeah, and that's what Kate Winslet yeah. does there. Yeah, exactly. So look, guys, if you're Kate Winslet fans, if you're, you know, Idris Elba fans and you're thinking, I haven't seen them in this before, you're going to go and want, you're going to want to, and it's an easy Monday night movie for you. So it's worth a watch just out of interest, but it's, it sort of sits on the rating as a solid three star movie. Nothing more, nothing less from my side. Um, Van, I'm pretty sure your sentiments are the same on that. Oh, I, I'm just going with what if you, if you really want to watch The Revenant, but you'd like to score afterwards, it's in between us, baby. <laughs> Welcome back to Off Screen. We are keeping you on the couch. We've got your second half of Movies on TV. And kicking off the, your Tuesday is a movie on Sony Movies, 9 o'clock, called Panic Room. It is uh, starring a very young Kristen Stewart and, <laughs> yeah, and Jodie Foster. I really enjoyed this. So they, they play, I think, a mother and daughter. They hide in a panic yeah. room in their house because obviously everyone has a panic room in their house And uh, when intruders break in. But the intruders want something that's hidden inside the room and will stop nothing to claim it. It's called a panic room. What? A safe room. A castle keep in medieval time. I've read about these. They're quite in vogue in high-end construction right now. 
One really can't be too careful about home invasion. This is perfect. The alarm goes off in the middle of the night. What are you going to do? Call the police and wait till Tuesday? Traipse downstairs in your underthings to check it out? I think not. Or concrete walls? Buried phone line not connected to the house's main line. You can call the police, nobody can cut you off. You have your own ventilation system, a bank of surveillance monitors that covers nearly every corner of the house. This whole thing makes me nervous. Why? Ever read any Poe? No, but I loved her last album. Very fun appearance there from Anne Magnuson, who only turns up in the beginning of the film. A uh, thing we forget about this is that when this movie opened, which I think was back in 2001, I think it was about 2001, 2002, yeah. um, the idea of a panic room in popular culture was essentially unheard of. Like, this kind of introduced that idea into mainstream fiction. And yeah. since, it has become a staple. Nowadays, we don't think twice about the idea of a panic room in TV show or a movie. Like, I've, you know, when Jack Bauer wants to get the terrorists and he flees into the panic room we don't think about how that being out of the ordinary because it's kind of started that becoming the norm it's a great movie though all of the cast like you say Jodie Foster and Kristen Stewart and Magnus um, but the um, you've got Jared Leto in this as well great great well, that's it. Like I say, when you intrude, I'm like, it's Jared Leto. It's, it's, it's Leto Leto. I don't know, the whole thing off. Um, and of course, you know, Forrest Whitaker, or in this case, Urban Whitaker. And uh, my favourite part of all of it is there's a moment in the film in which I think there's a pipe or something in the panic room. And she's able to, like, use a flashlight to try and signal the neighbour. That neighbour, bearing in mind David Fincher directed this, that neighbour is played by none other than Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. Very you know weird little... The tension in this movie is brilliant. That's what I really enjoy when I watch it. It's something that makes you... It puts you in a position of kind of really empathising with this with this mother and daughter and really understanding what they're going mm. through. A bit of a human study going on as well. Brilliantly um, acted, Jodie Foster, as you'd expect, but also from Chris Stewart. I mean, you look back on her now from where she is now and go, oh, goodness, you know, she she had it very, very young age. She knew exactly what she was doing. Very oh, yes. And you know what? I'm not sure how old she was here, but maybe she was around age as Millie Bobby Brown. And the thing is, is that you can see that level. Yeah, you can see that level of maturity at a very, very different levels yeah. between the two of them. But obviously, very different films as well. Well, for me as well, uh, part of what I really love about Panic Room, part of the reason I revisit it time and time again, is I love the, the cinematography of it. Of it. And there's a wonderful shot that I don't think it's ever given anywhere near the credit it deserves for. That was revolutionary at the time, and it's a CG pan shot that goes through the goes through the kitchen. It goes through the handle of a coffee pot and takes us all around the house. And it's just this wonderful sense yeah. of defining the space and the environment. And because you know, it's not a space that we know well, but it is a massive townhouse so yeah i really love panic room it's i think it's one great yeah it is a really really solid movie so there we go that is sorted for your tuesday night sony movies 9 p.m wednesday very different movie on wednesday but quite enjoyable nonetheless called rough night um it is the story <laughs> <laughs> it's the story of a, a woman called jess and her four mates who basically have tenants come together and they celebrate her wedding uh, or, or going to celebrate her wedding but things take a is this the, the hendu is it hendu bachelorette bachelorette that's what they call it yeah. isn't it and things take a little bit of an unexpected turn when they accidentally kill the stripper that they hire. Okay, 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 guys, I can't do any cocaine. I'm very jet lagged, so I will do cocaine. So everyone's in. No, don't, don't, yes. don't, guys, don't, hold don't, on. don't, don't. I don't know. Jess, come on, just do some cocaine. Jesus, Ricky. Sorry, I did a little bit of it. Jess. 
It would mean so much to me. If we could do a little bit of cocaine to so that's uh, Gillian Bell there with Scar Joe, and Kate McKinnon's the one doing the uh, the ridiculous Australian accent, isn't she? And I think, who is the fourth girl in this? Because I get this confused Kravitz. with Kravitz and Ilana Glazer, aren't they? Are the exes together? Yes, because I, I adore Ilana Glazer because of Broad City, and of course, Zoe Kravitz is real, and just a goddess. But Max points for the neighbours in this who are played by Ty Burrell from Modern Family and Demi Moore, who are sort of the swingers who live next door. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. You know what? Right. This is this is this is a movie that firstly you were saying about Paul I was saying about Paul Bettany. You don't expect him to play the, the types of movie like Legion. Mm. I expect Scarjo doing a movie yeah. like this. Comedy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's she really enjoyed this movie. I'm uh, sort of chuckling away and going, for what it is, it's a good laugh. And it's nothing more than, you know, a three star movie at best. But well, there's a there's a comedic pedigree to it that ties specifically through Ilan Glazer in it because I think the director whose name escapes me is one of the directors of Broad City. Ilana Glazer is one of the two leads of Broad City, and I think Scar Joe's fiance in it, who does the who does the uh, Natalie Portman in Lucy in the Sky bit, driving across the country wearing a nappy. He's from uh, Broad City as well. So if you're a fan of Broad City, you kind of have to watch this in the way workaholics fans have to watch Game Over Man. You yeah. know, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's the same comedy troupe, as it were, but there's fun to be had. And the only thing that really sort of stands against it is the fact that it came out opposite Girls Trip, which was yeah. the same one with Jada Pinkett and Tiffany Haddish. And I don't think it was as good. No, I'm with you on that. And by the way, it was Lucia Agnello who directed this. So, That's you know, it. thank yeah, you. Yeah, so female cast, female director. This is a mm. lot of fun. This is your girls' night in. Let's watch something a little bit silly. You know, maybe you've seen Brides a million times before, so actually want something new. ScarJo, really good in comedy. You know, Kate McKinnon, obviously we know what to expect with her. Zoe Kravitz in there, really good. Look, good for all of the cast, to be honest. And it's a solid, fun girls, girls movie. So, you know, and if you're going to watch that on your Wednesday night... Enjoy it. It's on very late though. Film four five PM, which is a shame. I think. Is it? Yeah. 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 Record. Want to record? I think. Record. Save for the end. Watch it with your girly yeah. pals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what have we got for Thursday then, Miss Perfect? Oh, we got a classic for Thursday. We have Kevin Costner. Absolutely love this film. A polarized cap has melted. Of course, it's about Waterworld because most of the earth is underwater. So it's on Wednesday night, ITV four ten o five PM. Um. Yeah, this is this is like crazy, Kevin Costa. This is again, uh, it's a film that I remember looking at it and going, "Oh my god, this is the movie that I really want to be in," <laughs> but I don't know why. This is a piece of cinema history. This film. Yeah. So, first of all, this is the film that for for a long while, I think for two years, this was the most it made. It yeah. it cost. Was it? I think it might have been 180 million, which at the time was the most expensive film ever made. Um, it goes on a while. There is now a director's cut called the Mariner Edition or something like that. Two hours, it's even longer. Two hours. Two hours. Two hours. Yeah, 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 that sounds about right. Yeah, I think that's probably the Mariner cut as well. Yeah, and also, Van, it sits comfortably in our golden age of movies. It's 1995. 
It does. It reunites Kevin Costner and Kevin Reynolds, with whom he'd made uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, it famously was sieged by every kind of catastrophe that can be film set, namely hurricanes, which kept destroying the set. They had to build it times over. Um, the press expected it to bomb. It became known as Kevin's Gate, in reference to uh, Michael Cimino's Kevin's Gate. Uh, and do you know what? The best part is, though, it, uh, it, co- it co-stars uh, Dennis Hopper, the late, great Dennis Hopper, as yeah. the villain. And the plot of course deals with the mariner a mutant played a mutant fishman played by kevin costner who has gills on his neck i think that's the thing and webbed feet as he leads a young girl and her uh, you know adult female protector uh, to the long fabled dryland you've been there haven't you dryland you know where it is yeah i know where it is And, uh, and we're going? You and I are. Kid, we've got a pitch over the side. What? My boat's tore up. I'm taking on water. I'd be lucky to get half a hydro reaction out of that. Yeah, I, I said I won't drink. For 12 days? No. It's better one of you dies now, and both of you die slow. Do you know? Do you know what the uh, the young girl's name is? Not her act, the actress's name, but do you know the character's name? Do you remember? I know. I don't know the young actress is Tina Majorino because she went on star in Veronica Mars. Uh, and no, not, not Monkey Trouble. That was Thora Birch. Uh, no, what's the character's name? Go on. We've this in today's podcast. It's Enola. Oh my god! And, uh, that that sounds that's interesting, isn't it? Enola. Huh. Also. <laughs> Also, very, very weird. Um, but that's, I mean, I think Waterworld's a better film than it gets credit for. It's aged quite well. I think it's gotten better in hindsight as well. Um, I don't think it was that bad when it opened, to be honest. I wound up seeing it theatrically twice, I think, when I was 12 years old. I was a big fan. What was the one that really got panned? Was it, it was The Postman, wasn't it? The Postman was, I think, uh, not his follow this one. I think it was one after. And that's going to lead me, actually, to our next film, our final film for the week, which is Friday Night. 9pm on 5 Star. It's Harrison Ford in Air Force One. Connection here is very, very simply. Air Force One was intended as a Kevin Costner vehicle. Kevin Costner turned down Air Force One to go on to make the post instead. <laughs> yeah, no, if, if you think that if you think that's boneheaded, always remember that Will Smith famously turned down the role of Neo to go and star in Wild Wild West. So it's not the worst one I've ever heard, but it's almost Air Force One, in which the president and his family are aboard Air Force One, right as Russian terrorists hijack the thing and hold him hostage in order to get, I think it's their their, their political dissident leader released from Russian prison. Coleman. choice you have the choice leave her alone this is between you and me you lose a child it hollows you out we're soldiers you take my life if you know honor i'll count to five no it's coming over here one two i'll do it True story about this one, by the way. This is apparently Donald Trump's favourite movie. <laughs> really? 
this Donald Trump claims this is his favourite movie, which I think tells you a lot about the psychology of the man. But you can see, you can see it in your head, like Kevin Costner doing this role, can't you? Yeah, I totally can. And do you know what? What a cast in this movie as well. Because um, oh yeah, you've got Harrison Ford who plays the president. You've got Gary Oldman in there as well as as Ivan Korshunov. Yep. Korshunov. Gorishevich? Something like that, I forget. I've not seen that. I just I saw it about two years ago. I love it. Yeah, and also Glenn Close is in this as well. She plays the, the oh, yeah. vice and Catherine Bennett. Um, it's, it's solid. Isn't it's- Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap is in this? Isn't he like Al? He was like the Secretary of Defense or something? Wait, that I ha- yeah, you're so right. He is. He's the Defense Secretary in this. That's insane. Oh, my God. I love Quantum Leap. Wow. <laughs> uh, yes. He uh, he's he's still going as well, Dean Stocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that man that man has worked solidly. I mean, I I always remember seeing a, uh, an early nineties TV movie, Madonna, in which he played her dad. And that's one of the roles I always remember him in. Well, there we go, guys. Look, that is that is impressive. So, if you want to see someone a still a living legend in this, beyond Harris Orson, Gary Oldman, and of course, Glenn get Rose. off my plane. Yeah. Amazing. Look, guys, again, this is... Um, let me double-check when this film originally came out. I think this is in our golden years. 97. Just, I, think it's not, I think 97. Yeah, 97, you're right. And directed by Wolfgang Peterson, who yeah. brought us one of my favourite ever movies, Outbreak. Oh, yes. It's, an, it's a pure pedigree like film for you guys. If you haven't seen this, this is your um, this is your end of the week. This is your Friday night. This is 5R on at 9pm that night Air Force One do do anything else on your Friday night not that you can after 10pm anyway <laughs> Welcome back to Off Screen and before we crack on with your DVD and Blu-ray offerings your streaming offerings let's uh, just talk about two other films really quickly that are out uh, new releases this week that you can uh, see in theatres or, or in digital uh, first of all Monsoon uh, new movie from uh, Hong Kiao uh, who directed Lilting six years ago now I think it hasn't that long uh, this stars Henry Golding and uh, a thoughtful drum about uh, an expat uh, a Vietnamese expat who's been raised in Britain who returns to Vietnam to scatter his family's ashes gets to know his family legacy a bit really great movie do check that out uh, and Schemas uh, which is out uh, this week as well uh, basically a biopic for Dave McLean who was a music promoter in the late 70s and 80s went on to become the manager for Placebo yeah. the band Placebo who I, I hold very deep. he's also written and directed the film uh, it's very Scottish it's very fun if you're a fan of Human Traffic or 24 Hour Party People don't miss that one it's, it's one of those things Case Allen in the Matalan box set as he, as he would say um, you know when you get three very tenuously connected films yeah I got that Yeah, he loves he loves a Matalan box set that man um, but let's talk uh, other DVDs we've got out this week because Slim Pickings we're, we're going to come to a point surely very soon when there are no new release on DVD we've got to got to but let's not hope that's got to so um this coming monday 28th we talked about this out on digital and i think we talked about it we talked about it when it was on digital about four or five months ago it's scoob warner brothers and animations uh, reboot of the popular hanna barbera series recently lost the co-creator of scooby-doo which is sad times you know how much i love the scooby-doo brand in particular velma uh, but this is a reinvention computer animated reinvention slash origin story for scooby-doo that also doubles as an attempt to create a cinematic universe for the hanna barbera characters which i'm all for 
if it means we get wacky races movie out out eventually. However, this is all about Scoob and Shaggy who team up with uh, Captain Caveman and Dick have to take on Dick Dastardly and and take uh, stop his uh, his evil nefarious schemes. Join me, Scooby Doo, and I will show you how to harness your destiny and become the most important dog in the world. No thanks, Dastardly. Oh, please. My friends call me Dick. Okay. Rick? Oh, I'm not a Rick. I'm a Dick with a D. Rick with a D. Duh, 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 Dick. Well, 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 Rick. That is just my favourite clip of the year, I'm not going to lie. And believe it or not, the BBC turned down that clip when I sent it to them for the review months ago, despite me telling them, well, Ofcom have had to clear that. So it works, you can use it, but uh, alas. I love that, I love that. I'm sure, you know, Scooby-Doo fans are timeless. You know, we, we if you love Scooby-Doo, you're going to want to watch this. It's easy to kind of catch oh, yeah. Out. yeah available on streaming so why not you know just yesterday i was looking at a pair of mystery machine converse really i was really really tempted by i am a huge huge scooby-doo fan and i think the 2002 james gunn written scooby-doo movie is an unappreciated masterpiece of its kind yeah i'm with you i'm with you 100 amazing um so there we go so that uh, is scoob like that's like scooby-doo for the new generation we're now just calling him scoob <laughs> i love that um so that is um, available on dvd and blu-ray from monday moving quickly over to streaming we've got crazy stupid love available on amazon prime from wednesday uh next week and that stars like it's got an all-star cast in this hasn't it quite something um oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's um it's a good rom-com it's it's basically um starring ryan gosling steve carell Emma Stone, Julianne Moore, many, many more beyond that as well. Have I missed anyone? I even think. Did you did you just gloss over Anna Lee, the goddess Tipton, in there? My word, perfect. Honestly, Anna Lee yeah, Tipton deserves that respect a lot. Gosh, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm not. Say, I'm not saying I watch a lot of America's Next Top Model or nothing. I do, I do appreciate a bit of Anna Lee Tipton, uh, but yeah, this is this is sort of a, a multi-plot. This is sort of a, an ensemble cast, and you know, different uh, disconnected yeah. plots sort of intertwined together towards the end, kind of rom-com. So you've got Steve Carell and Julianne Moore go through a divorce. Ryan Gosling is the guy who has to teach Steve Carell how to pick up women. At the same time, he meets a woman that he wants to romance, played by. Emma Stone. This, I think, is the second of three films that they starred in those yeah. two. Yeah. Because um, I think they had they had Crazy Stupid Love. I think after that they had La La Land and Before the Squad. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how it worked. But most people, this movie now, for you know the gif of Ryan Gosling pulling down his sunglasses and recording in horror. Yes, I think I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know the one. You know the yeah, one. I do know the one. But do you know what? I think it's a really good rom-com. You know, one time we've had a period with all these rom-coms. We haven't seen stuff that's worked really well. But actually, t- 2011 kind of worked around that time mm. frame for this. Mm. Well, before I move on, I'm just going to say as well that apparently um, uh, Emma Stone discovered when she was making this movie that she had uh, problems with balance and vertigo. Oh, so yeah. when they were doing the when they were the, the dirty dancing dance, when he has to do the lift, that apparently had to be a body double, which I think is incredible. Like really, because I couldn't tell. Um, having said that, moving on to the following day, oh, I had a- the first. You've got something you want to say? Go on. Yeah. Go on what do you want to say? I wanted to say about that because I think it was this movie, but that I remember seeing a chat show where they re- retold this story, and she got so freaked out by it after that lift uh, initially by doing it that she went back to her trailer and had to calm herself down by watching Labyrinth. 
I heard that. Yes, she got under the duvet and watched Labyrinth. I remember hearing about this. Yeah, I think did Julianne Moore had to talk her down or something. I remember. Yeah, it's like when I'd come into a trailer and be like, "You're right." <laughs> she's like, <"I'm> all right. <laughs> I love that story. Imagine having Julianne Moore console you. I know. That's wow. Hashtag life goals. But okay. uh, let's move on because right before before we go on to the one I know you want to talk about. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. Well, let's get the other one out the way because I know we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna lose ourselves in the one we want to talk about. Let's talk about. Uh, we've got two films coming to Netflix next Thursday, first uh, of October. Are we really in October? Ready? Uh, Thursday, first of October. First film we'll talk about is Tucked, which is very enjoyable British film. Uh, it's kind, of, it is a drama, but it's got a sweetness and a sense of humour to it that you don't really think of it as a drama. Out an, an older drag queen who takes a young. You know, new newcomer under a wing and basically schools him in you know the fine arts of drag queenery. I don't know is there, is there a term for it? Drag queenery uh, stars uh, Darren Nesbitt and Jordan Stevens. It's great, but I think to be honest, I'll give sense the tone for this. Now listen, a couple of rules you've uh, got to know. First of all, there's no customers. Now I know that sounds very obvious, but I mean you've got no idea how. I know it happens, so whatever you've got in your panties, you just keep it in there, all right? Mm -hmm. Secondly, all your tips are your own. We don't share here. Now, you know, generally the audience are pretty, you know, generous as long as you give them what they want. Well, within reason, remember. What's the first rule? No in the customers. Good, good. Now, third rule is... If anybody touches you, you know, inappropriately, you've got all the permission in the world to beat the living out of them. Fine. Everything makes sense with you? Mm-hmm. Good. Now, this is a really fun movie. I, I really enjoyed this. It's re- I didn't expect anything of it because I didn't know anything about it. And it just instantly won me over. I thought this was a really great, really touching film. But a lot of it hinges on how good Darren Nesbitt is in the lead. And Nesbitt is like an iconic face. among. He's one of those guys, you don't know his name, but you know his face. Yeah. Like every time he turns up in something. Kind of like, yeah, I'm trying to think who else. Something like, like, kind of like James Cosmo in that way. You know, you just know his face. Like, oh, I like this guy. And to be honest, it absolutely makes it. Uh, hands down, his film. That's on Netflix next Thursday, October the 1st. Check that out. I can't get it highly enough. But what would you, what would you recommend checking out on, on Thursday, October the 1st, Miss Perfect? What do you think? I'm, you literally, watching? I'm literally like a ball of energy wanting to talk about this film. You are. Okay, I can't wait. It's one of my favourite films of all time. It's out on Netflix again from Thursday next week. Um, it's It, it follows a, 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 a group, a family <laughs> from a little bit... Mm-hmm, a family. Family from a, a bit of a quirky household. Um, they try and rescue one of the members, the uncle, from a gold-digging wife who happens to have another little penchant of maybe about being a serial killer. Um, and, um, and of course, we're talking about the 1993 film Adam's Family Values. It's my favourite film of like, all time, ever. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I often reference, because one of my favourite things in any movie ever is the moment in this movie in which Christina Ricci who never gets the credit she deserves for Wednesday Adams has to smile for the first time and it's for me one of the great comedic notes of any of the 90s I think this is not only one of the best sequels ever made I think it's one of the sharpest written comedies of the 90s because some of the gags in this uh, like the Angelica Houston's wonderful delivery of the line but Debbie really 
pastel. That I absolutely. Uh, um, and I think as you pointed out, uh, you, you you said you were a fan of, of Joan Cusack as yeah. Debbie, the the, the evil so, nanny. Yeah, she is. De- so she's Debbie. She is the one who essentially goes around, and her her idea is, is that she is the serial killer whose speciality is to marry ri- rich men and then kill them for their inheritance. But when you when you're dealing with Uncle Fester, he can't be killed. It's so perfect. It's so brilliant. The amazing Raul Julia, as well as Gomez Adams. He is, uh, you know, R.I.P. He is, an, he was an amazing actor. His chemistry with um, Angelica Houston in this movie is just phenomenal. Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester is insane. But the, the thing that, that pops it from the first movie is the expansion of each and every one of the characters that we see. And, you know, oh, yes. the ability to kind of uh, learn more about them. So Wednesday Adams, fine example of this. She gets sent off to summer camp. And the way she absolutely turns it on its head is incredible because they're celebrating Thanksgiving and she gives the real bloody, gory insight into what Thanksgiving is actually all yeah. about. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it? That whole sequence. I mean, I, I, I could I could just do a podcast entirely about Adam's family values. And just, I love it. I think it's a wonderful, wonderful, and there's so many great things about it. I love David Crumholtz as Wednesday Adams' as would-be boyfriend. Um, I love the quiet psychosis that is Pugsley Adams, who apparently is Ariel Winter's brother, and I never this, uh, Ariel Winter from Modern Family. Um, I, I think I still, to this day, uh, whenever anyone asks me what I look for in a relationship with a woman, I always say, oh, I want the Raul Julia, Angelica Houston thing. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, yeah, but, they're amazing. Uh, mm. But there's like there's beautiful cinematic moments in this as well. So like the um, Thanksgiving scene when everything's burned down and they're watching, <laughs> yes. the dock. They're watching from the dock um, across the water, seeing it play out. Like that is something you expect to see in like this epic movie of like a proper slaughter taking place on an island. And yet they brought this into this comedy and it works so well from like just watching it from their point of view, looking on. The house looks insane. Mm. Lurch, all things that you just remember from the original like black and white TV series you never thought could actually be done again and updated. They absolutely nailed it with this cast. What I don't want to see, and I know we've had an animated version of this, I actually don't want to see anyone try and do this again. Like, it's so... They did. What? When? Did you not know this? Right. Because Raul Julia died 18 months after Adam's Family Values, they did need to sort of carry it on in some way. They did an Adam's Family movie that went wound up going, I think, director direct video or director DVD, and it starred Terry as oh. yeah, as, as Gomez okay. and Dahana as Morticia. So yeah. I do love Tim Curry. I think he could, you know, he, he was Oh no! Well, I, what would have done it for me? You know, when they did the animated one last year, yeah. I would have loved it. I think we said this at the time. Why didn't they just get the action cast back and just get Andaris to fill in for Al Julia? We'd have accepted. Yes. yes, that would have been amazing. That would have really worked. Um, yeah, listen, guys. If there's one thing you do next week. It's it's you've got to see the Adam Family Values. You're right, man. 100 right. It is one of the best sequels out there. It just works in so many different ways. I can watch it again and again and again. And if you're going to do that podcast, let's do it. <laughs> but I mean, everyone's everyone's always banging on and giving all this about like the Godfather 2, the Dark Knight. Nah! Yeah. That is family values every yeah. time. Yeah. That is family values to me, baby. Every time. 
So I would say that about that about kills it for us this week. We've kind of covered everything we can cover. We've managed to squeeze in a nod for Monsoon and Schema, so I think we'll take it too. How about we take seven days, we watch a load of new stuff, and then we come back, we'll, we'll butt heads again. We butt heads, we'll butt heads again. Listen, bam, we get, we've got this. If you're going to bring something like Adam's Family Values back, we're not going to miss the headbutting. No, I don't, I don't think anyone butts heads over the Adam's Family. No, those no. first two movies, those Barry Sonnenfeld movies are legit. Yeah. But that's uh, the last. That's, that's all we have time for this week. So we hope you have Adam's Family Valued our time. Uh, in the meanwhile, I've been back. And I've been Vex Perfect. And we shall return. <laughs> <laughs>